It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Cedric Granger. Hello and welcome to the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Today is January 8th, 2024. We're in a new year and we're about to start a new season of the NFL. As we look at the NFL, it's just finished up week 18. So we're going to break down week 18. We'll talk a little bit about what's going to be going on with the playoffs. We got a little bit of everything here on today's show. So we won't waste too much more time. We will jump right into it cedric granger happy to be back here with you it's been a little while i went back home to columbus for winter break and i've missed the sports fan quite a bit so i'm happy to be jumping in with the nfl for the next hour let's break it down let's start with the first game of the saturday slate it was pittsburgh steelers and the baltimore ravens one of the best robberies in all of the NFL. And for this one, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they knew this was a win or go home situation where they needed a victory in this game. And the Ravens, they were resting starters. So this looked like a very optimal opportunity right now um, for Pittsburgh to take advantage. And they did a great job. They took care of business against the Baltimore Ravens, 17-10. to 10. This was a monsoon of a game. If you got to watch this matchup, it was pouring rain throughout this entire game. It was not great conditions whatsoever. But you have to give credit where credit is due. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they ended up finding themselves a way to get the victory in this matchup. The big news, though, from this game, it's T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt went down with an injury. It was a friendly fire situation where he was backing up into coverage and his teammate ran into him, and that ended up resulting in a big-time injury for T.J. Watt. It is an MCL sprain, so it's something that could be problematic for the Pittsburgh Steelers going forward. But you got to give credit where credit is due to this team. It looked like they were dead in the water a couple weeks ago. They were sitting at 7-7. Seven and seven. They had back-to-back losses against two win teams, including the Cardinals and the Patriots, and then lost to another playoff contender in the Indianapolis Colts. And I think a lot of people were giving a lot of criticism to Tomlin, saying that, hey, maybe this is a team that needs to move on to a different coach. But Mike Tomlin... Proves why he is still one of the best coaches in the NFL uh, with this team where they really didn't have great quarterback play throughout the year. Uh, Mason Rudolph has now been the most consistent option. They tried Kenny Pickett. They tried Mitchell Trubisky. And now they're on to the new quarterback, Mason Rudolph. Maybe just because it's around Christmas time, but Rudolph, he's been playing very well down the stretch for Pittsburgh in three gotta-have-it games. The Steelers won all three. They beat the Bengals 34-11, followed it up with a win at Seattle 30-23, and then a nice win against their rivals, the Baltimore Ravens 17-10 for a sweep of the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens went 13-4 this year, and the Steelers, they accounted for 50% of their losses. So that's pretty impressive work 
uh, from Pittsburgh. And I know a lot of team people gave a lot of criticism to this team, thought they were dead in the water, called them fraudulent when they were seven and four. Um, now they get a chance to prove, hey, they're for real. This defense keeps them in tons of games, and they've been playing very well down the stretch. And they've also found the running game. Ever since week 11 and the firing of Matt Canada, you really have a feel that this team has figured out the run game situation. That was the big issue for this team. You didn't see a lot of teams going for run plays. Most of the time, you would just see the Steelers, oh, instead, oh, we don't need to run the ball in this league. You just can go and pass the ball. And I mean, it doesn't work to their strengths. Look at what type of uh, talent they have on offense. You look at your Jalen Warrens, you look at your Najee Harris, and you look at a offensive line that's really gelling at the right time, it really makes sense that this team would lean into that rushing ability and they can play a more ball control style of offense, limit the possessions, limit the chances for mistakes. And Pittsburgh has really used that strategy to get into the playoffs. Yes, they finished 10-7 and on the season. That's good for third in the AFC North, which this division it's at a really ridiculous spot. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, but the Pittsburgh Steelers, 17-10. to They win over the Baltimore Ravens. Steelers finished 10-7. and Ravens, they already had the number one seed. They finished 13-4. and Moving on, we got the Texans and the Colts. This was a winner-takes-all situation where the winner of this game earned a playoff berth. And given that the Jacksonville Jaguars ended up losing later in the uh, week, or later in the weekend, I should say, the Houston Texans, they ultimately won the division by winning this game. They went on the road to Indianapolis, hostile territory at Lucas Oil Stadium and C.J. Stroud, and the Texans got it done. C.J. Stroud, I think he clinched Offensive Rookie of the Year. The big discussion uh, for this award going into this week was, who's going to win? Is it going to be C.J. Stroud or is it going to go to Puka Nakua? And this is one where there's arguments for both sides. Nakua breaking the receiving yards record for a rookie and receptions record, too. I believe receiving touchdowns, I think he got all three um, with the recent game against San Francisco. But C.J. Stroud taking a three-win Texans team. Yes, a three-win team and a team that hasn't won more than four games over the last three seasons in each of those individual seasons. Uh, so, I mean, two wins, three wins, and three wins over these last couple of years. C.J. Stroud led the Texans to the playoffs, and he went 9-6 and six as a starter this year. And this is a big one for Houston. I mean, going into the season, they had a lot of hopes about what C.J. Stroud can be, and this is really the best scenario they could have hacked for. 264 yards and two touchdowns for C.J. Stroud. Nico Collins, the man out of Michigan at wide receiver, he was a dude. Nine receptions, 195 yards, one touchdown. And it really started from the first offensive play for Houston. They hit the deep ball over the heads of all the Colts' defense. It was a beautiful deep ball by C.J. Stroud. 60 yards on a nice post route by Collins. And who would have thought an Ohio State player throwing to a Michigan player to create success in the NFL? Who would have thought? Get. On the other side of the matchup for the Indianapolis Colts, Jonathan Taylor, he did excel with 30 carries for 188 yards and a touchdown. He was the bell cow on not only the third quarter, second quarter, but also on that fourth quarter final drive. So if you didn't get to watch the game, here was the situation. The Texans, it was tied, or it was a tie game, 17-17, Texans and Colts going into the fourth quarter. Or at least with like 14 minutes in the fourth quarter, I should say. I think the Colts tacked on their field goal uh, at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Yes, they did. Um, and then after that, Houston, 
They had a chance to go and have a drive. C.J. Stroud goes 7 for 7, 82 yards, and then Devin Singletary runs in the touchdown to give Houston a 23-17 lead. Fairbairn misses the extra point, though, so this gave the Colts an opportunity to try to go for the win. Indianapolis, they started their drive. A nice dose of Jonathan Taylor had about five or six carries on that drive alone. And Jonathan Taylor... On the fourth and one, he got the Colts down all the way there alongside a couple of nice big pass plays. Um, It was Minshew to Josh Downs, who made a big play to get them across the 50. And then, of course, Taylor just running the ball hard. And the fourth and one scenario comes up. And this is where I really have some problems with Coach Steichen and the Indianapolis Colts' decision here. So with they had all three timeouts in their back pocket, about one minute, 46 seconds left to go. And it's fourth and one. They run the clock all the way down, and then they utilize a timeout. Here's the issue with that. If you have all three timeouts, this creates an opportunity if you're the Colts where if you happen to fail on fourth and one, your defense can force a three and out, and you still have a chance to get the ball back with reasonable time to be able to get a touchdown or at least try to get yourself in a Hail Mary range to take a shot to try to win the game. But Coach Steichen, he decided to take a timeout for the Colts. And when he took that timeout, he risked everything into this play call as a result. Because in that situation, if you fail, it pretty much means game over. You're not going to have any more than about 5 to 10 seconds. And with that situation, he took the risk. The Colts decided to fire a pass to the left side. And unfortunately for Indianapolis, Goodson, third string running back for Indianapolis, who came in, which... There's some debate over this. People are saying, why would you ever take Jonathan Taylor out of the game? He's your star player. You need him on fourth and one. And I think there's definitely a lot of credence to that. But on the other side of the things, I think the Colts schemed it really well where I think the Texans weren't going to key in on Goodson in the same way that they were going to key in on Jonathan Taylor. But they could have used a play action if they wanted to try something like that. There were a lot of different options. But really, the play call was pretty good. They just comes down to execution. Minshew's throw wasn't perfect. Goodson drops the football. And the Houston Texans, they win the game. They clinch the playoff berth. And then they ultimately clinch the division. Yeah, we'll jump into Sunday's games. And the Jaguars-Titans game was the one where, of the 1 o'clock games, this held the most playoff implications and for Jacksonville very disappointing into the year this was a team that in week 12 was the number one seed in the entire AFC at least for an afternoon they were eight and three at one point and they finished the season off nine and eight with their only win coming against a terrible two and 15 Carolina Panthers squad and for Trevor Lawrence this is where criticism is going to come up for Lawrence he was touted as a generational prospect Uh, taken number one overall in the draft and two interceptions two of them not great and I know he dealt with injury issues that's something to keep in mind with this season for the Jacksonville Jaguars but I also think it was managed very poorly by Doug Peterson I think that they should have pulled the plug on Trevor Lawrence after he sustained that injury against the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday Night Football they should have kept him out of the game either against Cleveland or or against Baltimore. Those were two very tough games. Jaguars were in the number one seed hunt at the time, but now as a result, they ended up falling out of the playoffs. But Trevor Lawrence, he was clearly not at his best, not healthy throughout the last couple of weeks. And it's really cost the Jacksonville Jaguars a lot of games. They played poorly at Tampa Bay. They played poorly at Cleveland. They played poorly against the Ravens. And now they play poorly against a 5-11 and Titan squad, 6-11 and now. 
inexcusable. Now, road division games, those are always a little bit tricky, no matter who the matchup is. You can't take anything for granted. But losing to the Tennessee Titans in this way, Derrick Henry, he had one of his classic Derrick Henry games, 19 carries, 153 yards, and a touchdown to lead the way for Houston, or for uh, Tennessee, I should say. It's the Oilers uniforms <laughs> making me think Houston subconsciously. That's kind of funny. Um, but this is just disappointing, and it's a disappointing season for the Jaguars, and I think it could have been preventable. If they just, you, you, Doug Peterson, coach of the Jaguars, would have rested Trevor Lawrence. They could have had him healthy to at least clinch a playoff berth. They just needed one more win. They didn't even need too much. They just need to get to 10. If they would have got to 10, they would have been in the playoffs. They would have won the division, and they'd have a home playoff game right now against the Cleveland Browns. But because of this mismanagement of the health of Trevor Lawrence, also due to just some inconsistencies in his play in general, the Jaguars are on the outside looking in, and they will be at home for the first round of the playoffs, and they will really have a lot to think about in this offseason. So what is the result of that game, Houston? They won the AFC South it went 10 and 7 Houston, 9 and 8 Colts, 9 and 8 Jaguars and 6 and 11 Titans. Now jumping into some of the games that didn't matter too much in the 1 o'clock time slot, Bengals and Browns, uh, Cincinnati. Nice work getting their final win of the year. Browning doing a great job. I really love the quote that Browning had after this game where he said, "He's a top 32 QB in the league. He just happens to be on a team that has a quarterback that's top 5 in the league in Joe Burrow." And I think that's a Pretty good thing, and I think he's proven a lot um, keeping the Bengals competitive, leading the Bengals to a positive record. They finished the season 9-8 and eight and with a 6-3 and three record at home. I mean, it's pretty good home record there. If you're Cincinnati, you'll take that. You'll take that opportunity. And I know it's disappointing for the Bengals fans that the season really went awry just from the Joe Burrow injury at the beginning, the slow start to the year. And just the inconsistency that was there. It's going to be a season of what if. And we'll talk more about this as we get into more offseason content uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. But now look at what's really to gain for Cincinnati. You finish with the positive record. Now, and you're going to play a fourth place schedule next year. You're going to play all the teams that finished fourth place in their respective divisions. And that could be very much to the advantage of the Bengals. Instead of playing a first place schedule where you're playing the Bills and the Chiefs, now you're going to get matchups instead against some of the teams that were on the lower rung, such as the Patriots and other rebuilding franchises like that. For Cleveland, nothing to lose in this game. They were just resting their starters. It was 31 to zero going into the fourth quarter, anyway. So, it obviously was not ideal for this team, but they're just fine. They didn't need to worry about any of these sort of things as they are going to the playoffs. They have a trip to Houston, so they're gonna get to go to a nice, warm place, play a little indoor stadium action, and I think it'll be a good one uh, for Cleveland. We'll talk more about the playoff matchups coming up in a later segment, but the Cleveland Browns. 11-6 and six on the season, fantastic. And that brings us to the whole AFC North discussion where, you know, of course our station, we're right here in AFC North country. We did the AFC North show a lot throughout the fall. Ravens, Steelers, Browns, Bengals, they all finish above 500. That's the first conference, or first division, I should say, since 1935 to finish with all teams above 500. There's been teams where there have been the last place team has been 500, but not since 1935 has there been a team 
that is above that or there's a division that everybody's above 500 so you've got to give a hats off to the Bengals, the browns the ravens and the steelers for navigating this division and really showcasing why they are the class of the nfl and the physical defensive minded outdoor sort of aesthetic that this whole division has it's really created quite a reputation for itself and I'll say this, the Bengals getting last place in the division at 9-8 and eight, while the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won their division straight up at 9-8. Um, and eight. I mean, it really speaks volume to different divisions and how unbalanced the AFC was versus the NFC was in terms of talent. I mean, just look at the teams that made the playoffs. You had to win at least 10 games in the AFC to even sniff the playoffs in the NFC. Nine wins was good enough for some teams in the picture. Props to the AFC North. It's a division I have a lot of respect for. Uh, but Cleveland, Cincinnati, or Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore all going to the playoffs. And the Bengals fans, they can sit back and hope that they continue to accumulate some solid talent, especially on the offensive line, to help protect Joe Burrow. Some other results. We'll hit on them quickly. It's Vikings and Lions. Lions take that 30-20. to 12-5 for the Lions, one of their best seasons um, in the last 25, 30 years, and they're going to host a playoff game at home for the first time since 1993. We already have Jaguars, Titans, but Jets, Patriots, the uh, big story there, the New York Jets, they broke their 15-game losing streak against Bill Belichick and the Patriots, so that dates well back into the Tom Brady era where the Jets, they have oh hated playing the New England Patriots. It really spoke to the dominance the Patriots had over the AFC East. But New England, they finish up the tanking season. They finish with the third pick in the draft, I believe. So good loss there for the Patriots. And today it is known as Black Monday. This is the time where you see a lot of coaches fired. Bill Belichick not let go of. So he may still be having a couple more years out here in New England. Or I should say out there, not out here, out there in New England. Now, here's a one that is a pretty fun one, Falcons and Saints. So we'll go into a little bit of NFC South. Like I said, 9-8 and eight was good enough to win the division in the NFC South. Uh, Saints are all over the Falcons, 48-17. Atlanta did have a lead. I believe it was 14-7. Yep, 14-7 at one point, and the Saints just dominated. 10 points scored in the second, 14 in the third, 17 in the fourth to outscore the Falcons 31 to nothing in the final half of the game. Uh, one thing that really stood out to me about this game for the Saints, it's like, where was this all season? Where was this all season? This team we knew had some really good talent, and Carr could really be a great quarterback, and the Saints were just too inconsistent. That's why they missed the playoffs this year. But they did get to stick it to their biggest rivals, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, maybe a little bit too much. The Saints, at the end of the game, they lined up in victory formation and then faked it and ran the ball up the middle for a touchdown just as a little kick in the pants or whatever you want to say uh, to their rivals, the Atlanta Falcons. So it's something where the pettiness of that, excuse me, pettiness of that robbery is serious and the New Orleans Saints, they really stuck it to the Falcons. Falcons, disappointing season, and Arthur Smith, their coach, is fired for good reason. 7-10 and 10, with the type of talent they should have had. There's no excuse for them not to win this division, and they failed. But I'm really interested to see what the Falcons do. Desmond Ritter, more than likely not the answer at quarterback. 291 yards, two touchdowns. Nice game today, or yesterday, 
but I still think he's not your long-term answer. And for the Falcons, you're picking in the top 10. You'll have your choices of guys in the draft if you want to move up. Or you can make a play for Justin Fields or somebody like that. Russell Wilson will also be available. Moving on, like I said, Buccaneers over Panthers, 9 to nothing. Not much to say about this game except for the fact that Baker Mayfield has led the Buccaneers to the playoffs, and they'll host the Philadelphia Eagles coming up. Uh, this was a really rough division. Panthers, worst team in football, 2-15. and 15. We don't even have to talk about their ownership group. There's definitely a lot of criticism for that. And an overall rough year for Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Young not even topping um, 120 yards in this game. Pretty rough showing. And even for the Buccaneers, not great on offense either. Um, I think the most back-breaking play for this game for the Panthers was they had a touchdown that was about to happen, and the receiver fumbled at the one. So that kind of speaks to how this season has been for the Panthers, and I think anybody in Carolina, they're happy that this season is over. Moving on to the later games, the 430 battle that was for the playoffs, Packers and Bears, Green Bay, they were in a win and in situation, and they took care of business. They gutted it out against the Chicago Bears to win 17-9. Jordan Love, 316 yards, two touchdowns. He's starting to really show himself to be a top 10 quarterback, at least in terms of this year of the league. He got a lot of time to develop, and it seems like the Packers' strategy has really worked to perfection in this uh, accomplishing Jordan Love's growth and helping him to develop as a QB1. And for the Chicago Bears, disappointing into the year as they have been owned by their rivals as of late. And a lot of questions really for the Bears coming up this offseason. 7-10 is their final record. They'll have the number one overall pick in the draft thanks to a great trade that they made with Carolina. They are going to keep Eberflus, it looks like, for another season. Do they let Fields stay for another season or do the bears trade fields get more picks and go with caleb williams they definitely have a lot of options this offseason so it should be very interesting to see what chicago does i think that's one of the most compelling storylines of the offseason broncos raiders nothing on the line there raiders 27 broncos 14 i guess the main thing for denver and uh for las vegas i should say they finished second place so the raiders are second place in the afc west and Broncos, 8-9, and nine, they were right there in the playoff picture for a while, and then things got very disappointing for them as they benched Russell Wilson and played Jared Stidham. To his credit, played not too bad the last two weeks, but I think Aiden O'Connell, I mean, a surprise rookie QB for the Raiders. He's had to come in and be the starter and be the guy after Jimmy Garoppolo was supposed to be, and to his credit, he's done very well. 8-9 and nine this year, a couple of big wins. And he definitely has shown some promise if the Raiders want to give him another chance next season. I mean, you probably want to bring in some quarterback competition, but I think Aiden O'Connell deserves a shot to be a starter next year for the Raiders, or at least compete for the starting job. Dallas Cowboys, they were a win the AFC or win the NFC East with a victory, and they took care of business against the Commanders, 38-10. to Dak Prescott, four touchdowns, trying to plead his MVP case. It's going to be a tough battle for him in that regard because Lamar Jackson seems to have it locked up. But Dak Prescott definitely putting his name in the hat for the Dallas Cowboys, Rams, 
and 49ers. Los Angeles, they win 21-20. Game with a lot of backups with Sam Darnold versus Carson Wentz in that game. So a pretty decent QB matchup. But the main thing was Puka Nakua breaking the wide receiver records, the rookie receiving yards record, rookie receptions, and rookie touchdowns. A really great year for the fifth-round rookie, Puka Nakua. Who would have thought that he'd be where he is right now with over 1,400 receiving yards on the season? Chiefs take down Chargers 13-12. A pretty good win for the Chiefs with their backups. 13-12 win over the Chargers, who had a rough 5-12 year. Seattle plays to the very end. They fall short of a playoff berth. They finish 9-8. They take down the Cardinals. Um, At the end of the game, Cardinals missed the game-winning field goal. So a tough win in the season for Arizona. But 4-13 and and some draft picks coming up. And this is a team that showed some serious talent. They beat the Eagles. They beat the Steelers. They beat the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they had some really good wins this year. Kyler Murray has looked good since he's come back. James Conner has looked like a top 10 running back. Uh, So Cardinals may be a team that could have some upward mobility when it comes to next year. Eagles and Giants. You have the Giants winning 27-10. Eagles had starters in at the beginning, took starters out. But a lot of people are going to be labeling the Philadelphia Eagles as frauds. Uh, they started off the season 10-1 and into to finish 11-6. and Pretty disappointing for Philadelphia. 1-5 and in their last six with their only win being a very, very close win against the New York Giants. And again, the Eagles could have had the Division One, Could have had the Division One, and they just didn't take advantage of their opportunity. So again, it's just something that you'll just feel disappointed if you are a fan of Philadelphia. And then the last game, we got the Bills and the Dolphins. That was the primetime Sunday night football game. And the Bills took care of business, but it was a close one. Dolphins, they were up. They were running the ball really well with Devon A-Chain in that second quarter, 14-7 to lead for the Dolphins. But then the Bills, they really broke through in the fourth quarter. It started with the nice return by Hardy, a 96-yard kickoff return or punt return, I should say. And then that changed all the momentum. And then Dawson Knox, he scored the game-winning touchdown on a pass from Josh Allen. He became the third player, Josh Allen, I should say, the third player to have over 350 passing yards, um, at least two touchdowns scored, and 50 yards rushing or more in the same game. Uh, according to Sunday Night Football on NBC Statistics. Uh, so great win for the Bills, and this was huge as they clinched the AFC East with an 11-6 and record. As for the Dolphins, they're starting to deal with some serious injury concerns, and they're forced to play a wild-card game. And unfortunately for them, they ended up getting a team that's going to be playing in negative 2-degree weather. So we'll talk more about that as we go into our first break. But After this, we will talk a little bit of playoffs. You listen to the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. She said sometimes you just got to hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. (laughs) No, you hold my hand. Here we go. Learn about adopting a team from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. I learned patience from my adoptive dad. All he had to say was, Hey, you got this. Just breathe. Hey. (laughs) We're pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) Might have to start a band. (laughs) 
got it. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. <laughs> Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. It's basketball season in Pure Rock 105 and Mix 97.3 are your home for basketball coverage in Athens County. Pure Rock 105 is your flagship station for the Ohio Bobcats men's basketball team, plus the Athens County Game of the Week. Mix 97.3 is Athens County's home for Ohio State Buckeye and Athens High School basketball. Want even more basketball coverage? Listen to the sports fans weeknights at 6 p.m. on WATH and check out our high school basketball coverage schedules on our Facebook and X pages. Thinking about a new home or a remodeling project? Let the state-tested and licensed professionals at J&K Contracting with over 30 years of experience help. From concrete to roofing to siding or windows, room additions to complete home builds, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Digital design service is also available. They will be any competitor's price by 10% and accept all major credit cards. Call 740-286-8936 for your free estimate now. The Cool Spot Country Market, State Route 7 in Tupper's Plains, home of the daily hot case menu featuring an assortment of mouth-watering home-cooked favorites. The Cool Spot Country Market Bakery, your source of freshly baked confections like donuts, cakes, and pies. The Cool Spot Country Market Deli, with freshly sliced quality lunch meats and cheeses. Order a platter today for your next party or gathering. The Cool Spot Country Market, 41670 State Route 7 in Tupper's Plains, 740-846-0000. Stay informed about the stock market from Goldsberry Wealth Strategies. Weekdays at 530 on 970 and 97.1 FM, WATH. The report follows the news. Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Goldsberry Wealth Strategies is not a broker dealer and is independent of RJFS. Say no to a plastic bag. Say no to a plastic bag. Well, you could use any other bag. Anyone will do. You could use a cloth bag. Yes, and you could use a paper bag. Oh, you could use any other bag. Anyone will do. They'll degrade in the landfill and help save your neighborhood. They take a thousand years for a plastic bag to degrade in a landfill. They don't break down entirely, but become microplastics that pollute the environment. Reusable bags keep millions of plastic bags out of landfills. Yes, and you could use a paper bag. You can use any other bag. Well, anyone will do. They'll degrade in the landfill and help save your neighborhood. Say no to a plastic bag. Thanks, Sierra Club. They say the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. In the same way, the journey to end poverty for good begins first with a child. A journey like this takes commitment from you and me. A commitment to end poverty for good. Learn how you can help at children.org right now. Welcome back to the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. We talked a little bit about NFL Week 18, and now we're jumping in to the playoffs. Yeah, we're talking about the playoffs. This should be very fun and should be a great 
bracket. So we'll start off with the uh, Super Wild Card Weekend. And the first game is going to be pretty good for the whole thing. We got the Cleveland Browns, got the Houston Texans for game number one. Really exciting seeing an Ohio team in the playoffs. We got the Cleveland Browns sitting at 11-6, and six, taking on the AFC South champion, Houston Texans. That's going to be Saturday, 4.30 p.m. on NBC. The Browns did beat the Houston Texans just a couple of weeks ago where Amari Cooper went for well over 200 yards, and Joe Flacco did Joe Flacco things um, in this matchup. But the difference is C.J. Stroud did not play in that game for the Houston Texans. He did not start as he was dealing with a concussion that he sustained against the New York Jets in the prior week. So the Browns defense, which is one of the best defenses in all of football, and have three corners that are top 12 in the league in terms of their grade in man coverage, it could be a, a really compelling matchup, I should say. Cleveland and Houston, C.J. Stroud and Nico Collins, and they'll be really challenged by this Browns defense. And then, of course, for Cleveland, your starting quarterback, Joe Flacco, he has one of the best playoff records in NFL history, only behind at least minimum like five games, only behind Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady as Flacco. He's 10-5 and five as a starter in the playoffs, one of the best playoff records you'll see, and he's never gone one and done in his entire career. Yes, you heard that right. His entire career, he has never gone one and done. So that's a remarkable streak uh, that is there. And I think it'll be very difficult for C.J. Stroud and company to get the win there. But this is the first playoff game for Houston in quite a while since the Deshaun Watson era ended. And now you have Cleveland with their first playoff game of the Deshaun Watson era. But funny enough, Watson isn't the quarterback. It would have been even more interesting if Watson was making his return to the Houston to take on his former team. So that's the first playoff game. We go to the Saturday night game at 815. This is a game where a lot of people are going to grumble about this one because it is a Peacock exclusive, which I think, to be fair, is absolutely inexcusable. There should not be Peacock exclusive games, in my opinion. And this is one of those games that is, unfortunately. And it's the Miami Dolphins, Kansas City Chiefs. As a result of losing that game to the Buffalo Bills, the problem for the Dolphins is now they have to play the Kansas City Chiefs. And the thing is, it's not because the Chiefs are some amazing team and unstoppable force. They are the defending Super Bowl champions, but they definitely are having a down year relative to their normal standard. But the temperature, oh, it's about to be very, very cold. I think there's a massive cold front going throughout all of the United States. So this Buffalo Bills-Pittsburgh Steelers game and the Kansas City Chiefs-Miami Dolphins game are both set to be freezing cold. We're talking weather in the negatives for the Kansas City Chiefs if you account for the wind chill. And for the Dolphins, knowing their high-flying type offense that's based on speed, this might not be the best matchup for them, especially given the physicality of the Chiefs' defense. This is something that can maybe stymie Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle a little bit. But we can't forget the Dolphins do have some really elite running backs between Devon A. Chain and Raheem Mostert. Those guys were a really great tandem in the backfield, and the Dolphins have been playing without Raheem Mostert, who broke the Dolphins' rushing touchdown record for rushing touchdowns in a season. And there's been some great running backs throughout the history of the Miami Dolphins. You think of guys like Larry Zonka. Um, but still, a pretty impressive work by Mostert. So him being back should really help 
uh, Miami, and they'll definitely need Jalen Waddle back for this game. But this is really going to test Miami, a team used to playing in the warm weather, has to go play in freezing cold conditions against Kansas City and Arrowhead, a place that the Chiefs have been very hard to beat. It's really tough to beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. I mean, there's only one team since Mahomes, or actually two teams since Mahomes joined the NFL that have beaten him in Arrowhead in the playoffs, and it's Joe Burrow and the Bengals, and it was Tom Brady and the Patriots. Next game will be Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern. This one will at least be nationally televised on CBS instead of a Peacock exclusive. Pittsburgh Steelers, Buffalo Bills should be a great game. I think this one's going to be a slobber knocker. This one's going to be in the snow. It's going to be gross conditions, and it's going to be a very physical matchup. And I would not count the Pittsburgh Steelers out of this game. I think a lot of people are going to say Steelers first-round exit. And I'm not a Steelers fan by any means. I'm actually a Ravens fan. But the Buffalo Bills, with the inconsistency that they have shown and how turnover-prone this offense can be, they overcame the three turnovers that they had against the Dolphins since the Dolphins had two turnovers of their own. I think it's going to be a very tough matchup, especially if the Bills do turn it over. But the key cog that would have given Pittsburgh the edge that they maybe needed in this game is if T.J. Watt was playing. And he may play anyway. We don't know just yet, but with that MCL sprain, He's going to be in a very tough spot to play in this game, and I don't know if he will be available. I mean, Alex Highsmith can still lead this defense, uh, but with a lot of injuries for Pittsburgh, it could be a very tricky game to win against James Cook, Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, and this Buffalo Bills attack. And then going on to the NFC games, we start off with the 430 on Fox game here between the Packers and the Cowboys. This is a classic rivalry in the playoffs, and for Dallas, they've had a lot of nightmare games against the Green Bay Packers. You have a young Jordan Love looking to cement his legacy as following in the shoes of Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. And for Dallas, they want to try to shake off the moniker being playoff chokers. That's something that's really hurt Dallas and some of their runs over the last 20 years is that they'll have great regular seasons, but then fall apart in the playoffs, especially with Dak Prescott having his best season with 34 touchdowns and just nine interceptions on the season. This is some uh, opportunity for you to establish yourself and kind of work out some of your inner demons that they had, especially against the Green Bay Packers team that really snuck into the playoffs. But they are playing really great football right now. But the Packers defense has shown vulnerabilities. A lot of people are frustrated with the Joe Barry defense that the Green Bay Packers have. And I think the Dallas Cowboys can exploit that. So it should be a great matchup. I think this one is about a 75-25 Dallas, I think, would have the edge in this matchup. Now, here comes my favorite game of the NFC playoffs, or just the playoffs in general for this first round, Super Wild Card Weekend, as they say, Los Angeles Rams at the Detroit Lions. This should be a really interesting matchup, the Rams and Lions, mainly because Matthew Stafford is returning to Detroit. First home playoff game for the Lions since 1993. And who do they get to play? Their former quarterback, Matthew Stafford. That alone already is making you want to grab your popcorn. But then you follow that up with the star power you have in this matchup. Detroit with guys like Amon Ross, St. Brown, Jared Goff, who used to play for the Rams, is now the quarterback of the Lions after their QB swap and trade. And it's just really interesting to see that these two teams that have been kind of fans of each other, it was a trade that's really worked out for both sides, it seems, especially for the Rams with the Super Bowl and the Detroit Lions getting to 12-5 and and having one of their best records under Dan Campbell. 
But this game, it's just so many storylines. And the Rams, they have so much talent on offense, a team that I really thought was not going to be very good for a while after their Super Bowl, after they really spent so much money. But they're drafting fantastic. They took Kyron Williams in the draft. They took Puka Nakua and add that to Cooper Cup. And you have an explosive offense. You, of course, have Aaron Donald still anchoring the defense. But the defensive backs... For Los Angeles, I'd say that is the weak link of their defense. They have been exposed um, in terms of passing yards by a couple of different teams. Uh, I think, of course, the Ravens-Rams game, that's the game I got to watch the Rams very closely. Saints were able to carve up the Rams' defensive backs a little bit late in the game. So a couple of really bad examples of that for the Rams. And then as for Detroit, they've had some inconsistency at times this season. Um, Of course, a bad taste in their mouth after that Dallas Cowboys loss that came down to some referee controversy at the end. Um, So this should be a great game for Detroit. If they can win their first playoff game since the 90s, that'd be huge. And that could really catapult a Super Bowl run if they can get this win. But the Rams do stand in their way. And the Rams are a team that's as hot as anybody since their bye week. They are 7-1 and with their only loss being to the Baltimore Ravens, excuse me, who are the number one team in the AFC North. So again, the Rams... That's a team that's really playing with their hair on fire since their 3-6 and six start, and I think this is the best playoff game of the entire week. And then lastly, we have a Monday night football playoff game. This one is uh, really interesting to me. You have the Philadelphia Eagles at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. People have labeled the Philadelphia Eagles as very fraudulent and For good reason, they have not looked their best over the last couple of weeks. A.J. Brown goes down with an injury, hurts a little bit, banged up. And that game against the New York Giants at MetLife, which, of course, playing on the MetLife turf is never a good thing if you want to try to avoid injuries. And it seems like the Eagles did suffer a few. But then the Buccaneers, they've been up and down. They start off the season 3-0, fell to 4-7, and then worked their way back up to nine and eight led by baker mayfield who does have playoff experience he did take the cleveland browns to the playoffs and got a nice win against the pittsburgh steelers when he was the quarterback there so he this is definitely not his first rodeo and eagles trying to win the nfc back-to-back years and that game's going to be on a monday night so if you're the nfl i mean you own all these different days so why not try to take advantage of these days when you have opportunities to But this was one of those situations where, you know, I think that the playoffs should just be Saturday, Sunday. I don't think you need to have Monday games. Uh, It creates all these short week situations for these teams. But the NFL, they have their plans. They have their ideas. And they're making money. I mean, just look at the Peacock deal. They had $110 million spent on the game so that they could get the Chiefs-Dolphins game as a Peacock exclusive. Now, the problem is with the Peacock exclusive, I'll go talk a little bit more about that, is that what's to stop the NFL from doing more pay-per-view type games like this? Because you see if Peacock does this and they're, if they're successful and they don't get as much pushback from the general public, which there already is a lot of outrage among the general public, but if they're able to still be successful and still sell a ton of Peacock subscriptions, what's to stop other uh, net- networks from doing this? So you have Peacock that's backed up, of course, by... Uh, NBC, and then you move on to a team or a uh, network like CBS, I should say, and they have Paramount Plus as their main service. They're already putting NFL games on Paramount Plus. So what's to stop them from making Paramount Plus exclusive games? And this is where 
I think things can get very frustrating for NFL fans where you can't have one ticket package where you buy this and you want to watch just your team play. You can't do the individual ticket packages like MLB or individual watching packages, I should say, instead of tickets. Watching packages on like NFL Sunday ticket. You can't do that in the NFL. You have to buy all of them and you have to deal with blackouts. Well, MLB, you can just follow your specific team and their minor league affiliates and you can be okay. Uh, So it's really tricky with how this thing is going and that could lead to some really frustrating things uh, for teams in the NFL or for fans of the NFL, I should say, with these new media deals. And you might have a league in five to 10 years where you're having big games that are going to be put as exclusives where they're going to force people to try to buy Paramount Plus or find alternative watching options for their team. So that's the first round of the playoffs. Once again, Packers at Cowboys for Sunday 430, Los Angeles Rams at Detroit Lions Sunday 815, Eagles at Tampa Bay Monday at 8, and then you go switch over to AFC Cleveland at Houston Saturday at 430, Miami at Kansas City Saturday at 815, and Pittsburgh Steelers at Buffalo Bills. That's their first game on Sunday, 1 o'clock Eastern. A lot of games that will be played in the cold. A couple examples of cold games, Kansas City Chiefs and Buffalo Bills. Uh, Both of their home games are going to be freezing cold, uh, but the rest are going to be warm or controlled environments. Dallas indoor, Detroit indoor, Houston's indoor, and Tampa Bay, uh, warm climate down in Florida. We'll take one last break, and then when we come back, we will jump into the draft order to close out the sports fan on 970 WATH. An initiative by Ohio Health that is extending a helping hand to those navigating the challenging journey of grief. Morning Coffee, an Ohio Health Bereavement Support Group, is providing a supportive space for anyone mourning the loss of a loved one. Held on the second Friday of each month from 9 to 11 a.m. at the Athens Public Library, this free grief support group aims to create a comforting environment for participants. During each meeting, participants can enjoy local coffee as they share and find solace. To attend, registration is required. Call 740-517-4321 or email kelsey.funk at ohiohealth.com providing your name, phone number, and email address. The group is expertly facilitated by Kelsey Funk, MSW, LSW, who offers compassionate guidance through the grieving process. Getting the right health care for the right problem can save you time and stress. That's why Ohio Health offers three types of care options right here in Southeast Ohio. Call your primary care provider when you're sick or when you need to manage your long-term health. Visit urgent care when you can't get in with your doctor. And go to the ER for severe, life-threatening situations. Find out which Ohio Health location is your best choice at ohiohealth.com slash right care. Have you transformed your life in the years since being convicted of a crime? A pardon could help expand your career choices and increase volunteer opportunities. You could join fellow Ohioans who have received a pardon with free support from our experts. Learn more at OhioExpeditedPardon.org. That's OhioExpeditedPardon.org. Sponsored by the Ohio Governor's Expedited Pardon Project in cooperation with OAB and this station.
Welcome back to the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Cedric Granger here with you. And we'll do some quick hits in the NFL as we finish up this show. We'll look at the draft order coming up as the big deal. Chicago Bears, they get the trade with Carolina for Bryce Young. And the Carolina Panthers, they had a really rough season. Ownership not great. Coach fired in a tough year for Bryce Young, put in a really terrible situation. But the Bears are the benefactors. They get the number one overall pick. And like I said, when the Bears played the Packers uh, in my analysis of that game, um, it's really interesting to see what this offseason will be for the Bears. Do they keep fields or do they not? That's the main question. Second pick goes to the Washington Commanders. They finished 4-13. They did a great job of tanking late in the year. Their big question is whether they keep Sam Howell or they're going to change with a new quarterback. They're also going to have to a regime change. I think Ron Rivera, his coaching career with the Commanders, is done. Third pick goes to the New England Patriots. That's something that you don't see every day, but the Patriots have really fallen off. They hit rock bottom. Mac Jones very very rough season Bailey Zappi not doing great and just the offensive talent for New England is at a really really small level and the Patriots they need to reload under coach and general manager Bill Belichick Arizona Cardinals they take the fourth pick at four and 13 Um, a really good chance to take some weapons and the Cardinals could add a guy like a Marvin Harrison Jr. potentially Uh, I think that could be huge and if he gets to play in a nice warm environment like that he has a chance for a Hall of Fame career and I think Kyler Murray would love a weapon like that like when he had DeAndre Hopkins Chargers get the fifth pick so they get we'll get into the top five five and 12 season pretty war good work for the Chargers to try to get some help for Herbert and with their new coach more than likely could be Jim Harbaugh who knows that should be an interesting one New York Giants six and 11 Tennessee Titans six and 11 Falcons seven and 10 Bears seven and 10 Jets seven and 10 those were the next couple draft picks. So Titans or Giants sixth pick, t- Titans seventh pick, Atlanta Falcons eighth pick, Bears ninth pick, Jets tenth pick, uh, Vikings are in the eleventh slot, um, Broncos twelfth, Raiders thirteenth, Saints fourteenth pick, Colts fifteenth, Seattle sixteenth, Jaguars seventeenth, and then here we are, Bengals at eighteenth. So the Bengals will have the eighth pick, eighteenth pick of the draft. They ended up finishing as the best team. That didn't make the playoffs. Um, This one will be interesting what the Bengals do. It will all kind of stem from what happens with T. Higgins and what the Bengals decide to do with that. So that was the overall NFL preview there of what's going on with the playoffs and review of Week 18. Now let's go jump in on what are the other big thing that's going on tonight. You have the College Football National Championship. I talked about Jim Harbaugh being the next coach of a team like the Chargers or the Raiders, but right now he's the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines, and this one is bound to be a great game. You got Washington, you got Michigan. Michigan, such a strong offensive line, and they get the nice win over Alabama last week in the Rose Bowl, 27-20. Washington, they were able to outscore Texas and hold off the Longhorns on their last second drive, winning 37-31 thanks to the greatness of Michael Penix Jr., 430 yards and Romo Dunze who had 125 receiving yards and is one of the top three wide receivers in the country and this should be a very compelling matchup one thing to note the one seed has never beaten the two seed in the college football playoff era as the other examples were Alabama and Clemson a couple of uh, exchanges between those couple of powerhouses and then of course Georgia and Alabama um, had some matchups as well too where it ended up being able to favor the lower-seeded team. So it's something to keep note that 
by that rule and by that pattern, Washington should get the win as they are the two seed. But this should be a great game. And if you get a chance to watch the game or if you want to listen to the game, both of the radio broadcasters for Washington and Michigan, Tony Castricone to the purple and gold, and for the maize and blue, Brian Bush, um, are Ohio University graduates. So it's really cool to see that broadcasting prowess, especially for guys like me who are broadcasting students at OU. You'll love getting to see um, that type of success. But it should be a great game. I'm really excited to just see how this goes between Michigan and Washington. It starts at 7.30. Game is on ESPN, played in Houston. J.J. McCarthy versus Michael Penix Jr. For all the marbles as a team who will either play in the Big Ten next year or is in the Big Ten now is going to win a national championship. We'll go look at the matchup a little bit more here between Michigan and Washington. See if there's any sort of line for this game available. Yeah, so right now as it sits, Michigan minus three and a half over under 55 and a half. I will take Washington plus three and a half as my hot pick. So I'll do a hot pick today. Washington, I think they either lose by three or they win outright in this game. Um, and now the line looks like it's pushing up. So it was Michigan minus three and a half at open. And actually it's now Michigan minus six. So I'll take that even better. Um, I'll take Washington plus six in this game. But teams with some massive win streaks, both 14 and 0. This is how it should be. Both teams undefeated in the winter. will get to be the definitive champion as the lone undefeated team in all of college football. 15 and 0 on the line between Michigan and Washington should be a fantastic matchup overall too. Um, one thing I guess to note, Washington, Dylan Johnson, their 1,000 yard running back might be injured. Um, he got injured at the end of the game. And that was something that was really rough is that ended up stopping the clock and gave Texas a chance to try to win late in the matchup. But he's had some really big games against big time opponents such as USC and Oregon. And then for Michigan, of course, J.D. McCarthy, Blake Corum, Rome Wilson should be a great combination. It'll be a battle of the uh, Romes. You got Roman Wilson and Romo Dunze as the top receivers on each side. So, like I said, that game 730 should be a great matchup. Um, make sure to tune in to that coming up tonight. And then also, speaking of tuning into things, you can tune in to me on the call for some Athens boys basketball. They'll take on the Warren Warriors in what should be a fantastic battle the warriors are a great team one of the best teams in southeast ohio and the bulldogs they're up to three and three in conference play and have been on a hot streak winning two out of their last three matchups so this is a team that may try to pull off a little upset here and it should be a great battle but you can listen to that starting at 7 15 7 30 ish sometimes the games start a little earlier sometimes the games start a little bit later and that's going to be right here on 970 wath but for me cedric granger and all of our people here at 970 WATH. I wish you a great rest of your day. Thank you for tuning in to the Sports Fan. We'll be back tomorrow for a little bit before we jump in to our high school basketball coverage. Thank you for joining me on the Sports Fan, and have a fantastic rest of your day.
W-A-T-E-R.